Welcome back to another episode of Focus on K-12 EdTech and the Education Experience. I'm your host, Doug Conopelko, Education Strategist at CDWG. Today, I talk with Victoria Thompson, an instructional coach from Washington, who tells us a little bit about what it's like being an instructional coach today, both before and through the pandemic, and how she uses some EdTech tools to help her guide the way. Let's dive in. Hi, everybody. My name is Victoria Thompson. I am a STEM integration transformation coach, but I call myself a STEM coach uh, for Technology Access Foundation, which is a nonprofit that is basically doing a lot of different things. But uh, my role specifically is really just to give students opportunities to express themselves academically with project-based learning um, and also doing some tech training and tech tools and lots of cool types of stuff. Um, and I'm an instructional coach, so I'm very excited to be talking with Doug today. Sounds great. I appreciate your excitement. I'll try to match it. I'll try my best. I can't make any yes. promises. This but... is the best part of my day because I've been running around all day and now I just get to have a conversation. Perfect. So so let's dive in. You're an instructional coach. Uh, I think that's something that, you know, for folks who have been in and around education, uh, definitely the, there's been a shift around instructional coaching uh, yeah. and what it means and what it does. So maybe take me back before the pandemic. So let's get, at least go to pre-pandemic. And what sort of shift were we already seeing in instructional coaching at that time? Right. So I think the first shift is honestly just demystifying the role of the instructional coach. So when I taught in South Carolina, and then, you know, now that I'm here in Washington, all of the coaches I've had, whether or not I was in the classroom or outside of it, because I've always worked in education and tech, just in various different roles. My first instructional coach, nobody really knew what she did. You know, she kind of hung out in her office a lot. She did a support group for first year teachers. She looked at lesson plans, but just kind of like left vague comments. It was very unclear as to what her job was. And then in Washington, you know, a very specific targeted coach one time that I was working with, you know, she, again, very mystifying. So in my role, like I remember when I first came on, a lot of my stuff was just, what is an instructional coach? Um, and that definitely just demystifying that role has been imperative to just get people to see what I'm doing and also how I can help. And I think that is a very sh cultural shift, right? It's not this, you know, mysterious role anymore. It's, hey, this is a person that has a skill set that they can help you become better at your craft. Um, with that shift, now we find ways to really collaborate with teachers because they know what we're doing, right? We know what they're doing, and it just opens up doors to a lot of opportunity. And I think that a lot of those shifts really just come from having student-centered experiences, right? So when I go into a classroom, instead of maybe focusing on what the teacher is doing, I'll take a look at what the students are doing, right? And then from there, I can use that to inform my feedback, my commentary, my instruction. And I think that that's also good because, again, if we always want to be student-centered, um, then really it just ties it all back to the instruction for the teacher too. And then the last one I'd say really is the push to make sure it's a collaborative process and not a coach demanding that a teacher do something. And unfortunately, I hear this all the time from teachers, um, not with me, thank goodness, um, but just in other states and other districts where they feel so demoralized and dehumanized by their instructional coach. You know, they're giving strategies without the teacher even asking, or they're giving resources and, and the teacher is essentially demanding, you know, that they do it a certain 
certain way. That's not how it should be. And that's also not how I operate. Um, I will always ask for a collaborative opportunity first. Um, I ask to go into people's classrooms. Sometimes I do show up randomly if I have a need or if I have a question. But for the most part, I always ask, right? Just asking, 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 because that's how you build relationships. And then I never dictate or I never tell. I give notices, I give wonderings, um, I'll give general feedback, I'll give resources. Um, but it's always from a standpoint of you're already doing this. Let's make it cooler if you're interested instead of you have to do this. So those I'd say are the big three. So Victoria, you've recently been recognized as one of EdTech's 2021 <laughs> K-12 influencers. So how do you bring uh, EdTech and either you know products or ideas into your instructional coaching practice? Yeah, so my role is kind of unique because I'm a what I call a targeted coach, right? So like, I'm not just a generalist, mine specifically focuses on STEM. And I feel like that, so even though I come from the S and the M, right, the science and the math, the T is really where I feel I have my niche. And that's really where I feel I can bring a lot of support. I say with the professional development that I've given to my staff, and then also ones that I'm giving to the folks in the company over the summer, about 60% of those are just based around tech tools. And not anything, you know, new or flashy, even though I do appreciate the new and flashy. Um, I do the ones that are tried and true for me that I know will work in the classroom because the last thing we need right now, um, and I'm based in Washington State, so as I'm talking, we're still hybrid. The last thing that we need is to throw on a new tool and then nobody knows how to use it, or I have to spend even more time and capital into teaching them how to train it. I'm always down to train, but not if it's going to be a bigger lift on our teachers. Um, so a lot of my tech tool stuff really does come from training. Once we're past the training phase and if teachers are interested in using the tool, it's all about intent with educational technology, right? So instead of just saying, oh, well, here's a Pear Deck, but then you're not really using any of the features, then it just becomes PowerPoint 2.0. What makes Pear Deck great are opportunities for response, um, you know, opportunities for stress checks, different types of, you know, um, demos and platforms. Like there's just a lot with all of the tools that we have. Another one, for example, is WeVideo. We have this fancy WeVideo district license and I found out nobody was using it. <laughs> so I did a WeVideo training and now we have teachers that are using it for end of year culminating projects. So just use, using that and having the know-how it's kind of putting me in a weird spot, right? Because um, I didn't tell my coworkers first that I had won the award, but um, a couple of friends that were close to me were like, no, you should really tell them. Cause that's a part of my life where like, they know I'm good at tech, but they didn't know I was that good. <laughs> so now that they know I'm that good, um, you know, they're definitely using that skill set even more. And then the last piece of that too, is just, you know, hiring or not necessarily hiring, but purchasing technology and then incorporating that tech meaningfully into everything that we do at the school. Um, I do have a little bit of power with bargaining and just figuring out what uh, you know what's working and what's not. Ultimately, the district makes the final call, but because I have the ear to the ground more than others, then I can be like, hey, these teachers are using, you know, Pear Deck. Let's, it might be a good idea to buy a district license. So things like that. Um, or for example, because we're doing a lot with the EdTech integration, I'm doing a top-down ISTE integration for my school, starting with three standards, one for educators, one for students, and one for leadership. So that way we can be a fully actualized school with the ISTE standards. I love it. All right, we'll address the elephant in the room now. We <laughs> are still 
at the tail end, at least in some places were wide open. You said you're still in hybrid, but the right. pandemic has clearly shifted the way that uh, just about everything happens. Um, very, very true for education uh, was definitely uh, put in the spotlight through the pandemic. So maybe this is too many questions in one question. <laughs> what are some of the, either the shifts you've seen in instructional coaching as a result uh, and then what stays and what goes of the shifts that you've seen? Yeah, that's a loaded question, but it's also a fun question because there's so much I can say. I'll begin with just saying that it's not as easy as just going down the hall and talking to a teacher or going down the hall and looking at a classroom. And I think that that was evident even pre-pandemic, but there are some folks that are like, your job will be so much easier once we're back in the building. Most of the stuff I do with my teachers is still fairly remote. You know, they like having that screen interaction you know, there's nothing like meeting somebody in person, but there's also something really special about using technology to collaborate. And I think that's, that that's beautiful. So, you know, I'll still go talk to people, you know, I have my face-to-face meetings, but when we do collaborative work, you know, Jamboard has been an instrumental tool. Um, things like Mentimeter for polling and word clouds during staff meetings, um, things like staff appreciations, which I give every week, I choose a set of folks and it's just, hey, here's some real cool stuff I'm seeing going on in their classrooms, just recognitions, you know, things that would normally be done at like a staff meeting, but I want to go the extra mile and just give that acknowledgement and really just try to acknowledge as many people as I can. Um, So that kind of staff celebrations has been really important to me, just informing community and having those types of relationships. And one of the things that I have to keep remembering is just because somebody doesn't see something happening the way it normally does, doesn't mean that it is not happening. You know, if I'm meeting with a teacher on Zoom, it doesn't mean we're not meeting, we're just meeting differently. You know, if I'm collaborating with a teacher on a Padlet because we're trying to figure out a school event, it it doesn't mean we're not working, it just means we're working differently. So I take that differently piece and I try to figure out what works for the good of the whole, but then for the folks that I give targeted support, right, what works for them so we can try to make it better together. And for some of them, it is meeting in person. Like I've got standing meetings with some folks where they come to my office and and we talk for a half hour. And, you know, by the end of it, we have like storyboards built out and lessons. and, And there are some that prefer that we meet over Zoom because they like having the tech there so we can play around with it in demo. Um, So my answer, non-answer is there's a lot of ways that it's shifted, um, but really it depends based on the school community and then based on the needs of the individuals. Perfect. All right. Last one, uh, rapid fire here. Uh, Just (laughs) what are, if someone's just becoming a new instructional coach, right? What are some of the blogs, books, podcasts, resources that you feel like have been helpful for you learning and growing as a coach? Yes. So EduCoach is typically a slow chat that goes on. I want to say it's Monday, maybe Tuesdays, um, but definitely check out that tag. If y'all are on Twitter, I found that to be great just for on the go coaching practices, because what I'm finding is that some of the books um, about coaching are kind of old school, right? They're definitely based off of you know, 20 years ago, right? Where you maybe had like four or five teachers that you work with. I work with like 30 plus teachers. And I also um, work with the team of about like five coaches where we all share resources with each other and we all work together. Um, so I would definitely check that out. 
The Art of Coaching is also a great resource. That is a book um, that gets quoted quite a bit as just kind of transforming teaching and coaching. And I, I like that book because it leads with empathy, right? It's kind of the opposite of the demanding instructional coach that, oh, you have to do this. No, it's the complete opposite. It's all based on empathy and collaboration and just what we can do to leverage our strengths to make each other stronger. I think that's just absolutely wonderful. And then really too, like the best way to learn is just listening to your teachers, right? So not just kind of going off of what you think a classroom should look like, you know, listen to them and be responsive to their needs because that's where the magic happens. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your yeah. time and your experiences with us. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for joining us today on Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or a review. If you'd like to contact us about the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at DConopelco or send us an email at focusonk12 at cdw.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time as we focus on K-12.